Hello, and welcome to the So You Had a Baby podcast, episode 22. Today, we are happy to be interviewing Erin Galloway. Erin is the founder of Sweaty Mommy Survival, Pump the Bump, and mom to a five-year-old daughter. With over 60,000 social members, she supports moms being active with their kiddos from pregnancy to parenthood. As an early childhood enthusiast, she enjoys investigating unique ways to maximize life's teachable moments for children. Erin holds both a bachelor's and master's degree in human development and family science and spent almost 20 years at Ohio State and John Hopkins University directly serving urban neighborhoods by rebuilding underserved schools and community amenities. She's experienced in working with low-income mothers seeking higher quality childcare, safer home environments, and a healthier lifestyle for their children. Today, Erin's work has evolved into helping mamas and their kids achieve a healthier lifestyle through movement and exercise. We really enjoyed speaking with Erin. She is so sweet and incredibly knowledgeable. We learned practical things from her that we could all benefit from. Her passion for helping mamas stay healthy and active is so inspiring. We cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Welcome to the So You Had a Baby podcast. We are your hosts, Inkiru and Krista. We'll be sharing empowering stories and topics to inspire women to grow and love themselves more throughout their postpartum journey. Join us each week as we work to change the stigma around postpartum. Well, we are so excited to have you on, Erin. So I'm going to have you just start off by having you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So your name, your profession, who you're a mama to, and what led you to an interest in your in working in your field you're in. Yeah, so my name is Erin Galloway. Uh, my profession is a tricky one uh, in that, <laughs> you know, I started, most people know me um, as starting a social community called Pump the Bump. And that led me to a second community uh, that was called Sweaty Mommy Survival. So I often say I'm like in the community building mom profession, which is kind of a funny space. I like that space. (laughs) (laughs) And I do have one daughter. Her name is Lillian. She is five years old. And really, she was the complete inspiration for everything that I do. You can't enter the mom space truly appreciating it without being a mom. Agreed. And what led you to an interest in working in your field? Um, So for me, you know, I combined motherhood with this longstanding career that I had in early childhood education, which sounds sort of like an unlikely fit. However, I was always working with moms, even prior to experiencing motherhood myself. So I was working in building schools and working in low-income communities and really trying to understand the dynamics and the stressors of motherhood. And so that just partnered when I became a mom myself to realizing how difficult it is um, and how they give us all these explanations and textbooks and timelines for how mothers should uh, should work out. But until you're in the thick of it, it's hard to really make sense of it all. Um, so that's really how I aligned my professional career along with my personal passions. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible. And 
let's just get dig right into your postpartum experience. What exactly was that for you in one word? If you could describe it, what would it be in one word and why? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure we can all think of lots of words, but if I, really, <laughs> you know, if I had to like continue to go back to one that was the bare bones of it, it was trust. I just mm. had to trust the process. Yes. Um, and, you know, I was a single mom from the very beginning. It was uh, something that I made the tough decision of not remaining um, with my daughter's father. And I knew I was going to have to look at her and explain that decision to her someday. Mm -hmm. um, and so from the very beginning, you know, I had to trust that decision. And it just really made me figure out how do you figure out your instincts? How do you trust what's been asked of you? How do you know that like you're going to get through this minute that feels so painful, uh, whatever stage you are in, and you're going to get on the other side of it. And so it was just continually like taking deep breaths and trusting whatever it was that was being asked of me. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Uh, I think that's something to be said to more people more often is just yeah, trust, exactly. trust the process. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, right? There's no real script for this. And so if you can just trust, like I just, I kept coming back to myself, like I'm not crazy, right? I'm not going to lose it. I, she is going to be safe, right? You just, you tell yourself all these things and um, whether it's spirituality that leads you there, or religion, whatever it takes, you know, you just have to trust that you're going to come out on the other side and they are too. Yeah. And that you're strong enough to handle it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, Erin, let's have you just jump right in and share your postpartum story. <laughs> so, you know, the, the postpartum story for me is one that I've just recently become more comfortable sharing. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I think, you know, it's sort of an uncomfortable laughter that I give to it because I really, you know, shied away from talking about myself when I launched my social communities. Um, there was a safety net sort of being a ghostwriter, if you will, and just inspiring and motivating moms without having to dive into the details of myself, because I was really sort of working through that, you know, being a single mom from the very beginning, not having a bond necessarily as a triad and a great co-parenting relationship. You know, I didn't want that to be a distraction to mm. what I knew my service could be for other moms. So you know, my postpartum journey was really building this social community to get me through the highlights and the struggles of motherhood. So pump the bump for me. I had no, I mean, literally no background in marketing. Social media at the time was a very different space. You know, we had these little squares on Instagram and 140 characters, and that's all they gave us. And <laughs> You know, if you could motivate people to like you through a picture, like that was an accomplishment. Well, you know, I grew this pump the bump community in a way in which I could not only motivate other moms, but motivate myself to stay active. Mm. And that's what really got me through that first year of motherhood was, you know, in the downtimes of the night after, you know, she goes to bed and you need to decompress yourself, I could go to social media and find other moms who got me. Mm -hmm. um, 
And when my daughter wasn't with me, because even as a newborn, we were figuring out co-parenting, that's really scary, right? As a mom to not be with your newborn. And so Pump the Bump social community gave me a space to have a purpose um, and keep me focused and keep me positive. been, you know, distracted or depressed or really gotten myself into, uh, you know, a space that would serve no one at that point. But yeah, Aaron, I think your story is really empowering. I feel like it's, it's very encouraging to other moms. And I think that's what you kind of build it off of your whole Mm -hmm. business is encouraging other moms to move and to exercise. And most importantly, like you said, it encouraged you to do the same. But what would you say it was your biggest struggle and how did you overcome that struggle? Yeah. You know, the the biggest struggle, if I'm being completely candid is just accepting and learning how to be away from your newborn is a Mm co-parenting mom from the very beginning. That is something when you have to let go of, you know, a human that right has grown inside of you and you are responsible for taking care of and you have to let go of that person for periods of time, whether it's hours or days, that can be a really fearful place, uh, especially for a new mom. And I therefore really started to build that trust. She's going to come back, whether again, in moments it was prayer or whether it was positive distractions That for me was a really unique experience that no one else in my network had experienced. So people had all their assumptions about what I should feel. And I just had to think long-term for my daughter, what's the best benefit for her. And that's for them to have an incredibly tight bond. And that's to her benefit, not about me. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That is really powerful. That's that must've been such a hard thing to have to, and that having that kind of trust, like you said, is, is hard, especially in the beginning when, you know, you, you are handing, uh, albeit you're co-parenting, but still to have to hand your new baby to somebody else, no matter who it is, is hard to do when you're the mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine and it's, I think like I said now, now hearing a little bit more of your story is hearing your, your word from the beginning is, is so, so appropriate. <laughs> well, and it, it's given me a chance to talk to other women, right. Who may have not experienced being away from their child for maybe a couple of years. Right. Cause there's many women, right. Who make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what I can say from the early childhood background that I have is that it gives your child a chance to learn their version of trust, which is you come back, right? Mm-hmm. You always mommy will come back. And when they see it and experience it and learn it, it's a really great service to them uh, early on in their life. And so I just kept reminding myself that there was a benefit to her um, in doing that, but it is, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and, and to all the, all the other facets that are involved in, you know, raising a child, I can't even imagine the decisions that had to happen in that situation that you had to think about that maybe other people don't have to think about, or, you know, that aren't really talked about as often. So you were kind of, sounds like you're probably winging it. Oh, completely. Like there was no blog that I could go to, right. That was 
created a collection of what to do in this type of moment or even there's not a lot of research. I mean, I'm sort of a research junkie being in higher ed for as long as I was. And uh, yeah, there's not a lot of articles written about it. Um, So it really was a unique experience. And most family and friends assumed that I would go in opposite direction, right? More controlling, creating a distance. And that was not what I wanted to do. So Aaron, what was your biggest win in postpartum? You know, um, so if I'm going on like the stating, I think probably the most obvious is that, you know, I got to experience this big, creating this big community for moms all around health and wellness and fitness and movement from pregnancy into parenthood. And I, I never could have saw that coming. Prior to being a mom, I mean, I was active, but I didn't feel like it was part of my purpose. And so coming out of that experience and really being able to say, like, pump the bump is part of who I am. It's my identity. And then as my daughter got older, she was like, it's now part of her identity. So we run races, right? We do yoga. We She loves the idea of creating inventions and games and activities that she knows goes on the internet and gets shared with other families. So Mm. it's become a part of who we are as much as um, something for myself. And that I couldn't, there's no way I could have ever seen that coming. I couldn't have planned it and couldn't have made it happen if I tried. I love that. And I love that your your win in postpartum is not not only i mean not only about you but you got to bring your daughter along for the ride and turn this into something beautiful and bigger than you that's so incredible it is i mean it's really it's created such a special bond between us too um because yeah. you know she'll go she'll go um and try some new game out she'll be like hey how can we tell other kids about it or we'll go to the library, right? And she'll pick out a book. And, um, you know, we picked out one the other day that was about how to talk about emotions. And she mm-hmm. asked me, like, do you think you'd ever want to read books to kids on the internet? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is awesome. Yeah, you, it's just you, a part of us. You created a, a tiny entrepreneur. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and she's so they see it yeah they totally see it that's what I was going to say is that she's looking and seeing your every move and what you're demonstrating to her she is totally following and picking up on and she sees the result of it so she looks at it and it's like oh my goodness this is like this person saw this or we're doing this for hundreds of people this is awesome and she's seeing that you're doing good and I think she's like really picking up on that and learning that. So you definitely might have an entrepreneur on your hands. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So Erin, if you knew what you know now with all of the things that you've learned along the way, what are some things that you would say to your prenatal self to help you in postpartum? Mm. I would definitely tell my younger self that the word geriatric pregnancy is only a statement for the doctors to know because, you know, that phrase can be very intimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in, in reality, we make pregnancy whatever it 
at whatever we know we can make it and whatever, whatever our body allows it to be. Right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was 36 and quote unquote geriatric. And <laughs> I, mean, I really felt bad about that, but here I am leading a movement about fitness for moms to a lot of women who are still in their twenties that are now catching on to this. So mm-hmm. take that geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that you say that. I absolutely despise that term. I it's so like, it's so derogatory. It's like really geriatric. Oh man. <laughs> Couldn't they call it like mature pregnancy like exactly (laughs) something something more like wise attractive wise pregnancy knowledgeable (laughs) there's so many better words you could have chose they could have chose oh man (laughs) so funny yeah well I it's so awesome that you're able to turn I guess your experience into something so positive and it to exude into other people's lives as well in whatever they're going through in their own pregnancy. So I think, I think that's awesome that you're able to create what you have. You know, this is the irony that I often tell people and they're like, how do you do all this? And I say, you know what, honestly, when, when we really started to figure out the co-parenting schedule, Um, It gave me time to myself. And so I can fully appreciate moms who don't have days or hours to themselves, whether they are co-parenting and therefore their kiddos are always with them or single moms, right, who truly are single, no co-parent. But the irony is I wouldn't be able to do this uh, without having time to myself, Um, And so there's always lessons, right, that come on the other side of fear. And this has been able to be happening because of something that seems so scary at first. So what is that? What does that look like for you? Taking time for yourself? Exactly. If you can give one one thing that you do to take care of yourself. You know, I have really gotten into breath work. This really started to resonate with me when I started to think about moms who were saying, well, they weren't really interested in what I'm doing because they don't really like to exercise and get sweaty, right? And, and really dive in. And, and so I started really thinking about what's really core of what it is that can create change. And I was teaching my daughter how to handle her emotions through getting her own breath back to a calm state. And in doing that, I was like, wow, like that's really powerful. I should focus on breath work for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that for me has become um, one of the ways I talk about self-care is, you know, and taking time for myself is taking time to just slow down and breathe. And I say the other ways that people ask me is taking some of my really crazy ideas that are in my head for my business and giving them life, putting them on paper, putting them on a website, talking about them. Also a way to take care of myself because it it gives me the freedom to take some of that crazy out of my head and decide, is it a good idea or not? Maybe it's not. Yeah. I like That's that. great. I love that. And I also yeah. like I like that you talk about breath because I really agree with you in the sense that that's such an undervalued tool that is so important. Not and it's just, free. And it's free. <laughs> 
it's it's important for adults, but it's also such a powerful tool to teach your children at a young age because it's they've got so many tiny, huge emotions bottled up in their body that like learning how to take that time to breathe and work through them yourself before you just explode is so powerful. <laughs> definitely one that needs to be practiced more for everybody really Most definitely <laughs> it's true and right as you said not only is it's free it's like so easy to do anywhere right you can create um you know we do it we have a pattern of taking a deep breath um before you go do something scary right before she mm. goes jump off into something she's very scared about um she looks at me and she, now she just takes the deep breath. We don't even have to say the words. Um, or, you know, before you get out of a car, you can take deep breaths. I mean, there's so many easy ways to integrate it in 30 seconds or less. Mm -hmm. I like that. Same. So what would you say was the biggest lesson that you've learned from your postpartum experience that you would want to pass on to somebody else? I really talk to women a lot about allowing them to create their own definition of enough. Hmm. Like I have this thing that I have been trying to tell moms. Um, like there's a little bit of a social media hype right now about like almost accepting that motherhood is exhausting and it's just part of natural motherhood. And I try to talk to a lot of moms that like, it doesn't actually have to look like that. Like we mm -hmm. can choose for it to look like that. That is a choice. Mm -hmm. um, but you can choose a more simplified way to go about motherhood and how you create a culture in your home. Um, and it doesn't have to include a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I have a really simple life and I don't buy a lot of brand new things, you know, so, so there's an easier way to go about this if you want to find it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wish more women um, really knew that and accepted it and just found their own path. When did you find that for yourself? When in your postpartum experience were you thinking, you know what, like, I really want to simplify my life and I want to help others do the same. Yeah, that's a great point. So I would say it really resonated with me at about between two and three. Hmm. When um, your daughter was two and three? Between yes. Two or three? Yeah. yeah. Because I realized that she was now very conscious of things. And hmm. until then, right, people just love to give you gifts, right? And they love to give you stuff. And, um, and they love to invite you out to all these things. And then about two or three is when the schedule actually starts to be driven in my life was by her, right? Do you put her mm -hmm. in organized activities? Do mm -hmm. you organize now the play dates between the kids, right? There's all these opportunities to schedule and plan and buy. And mm -hmm. I just didn't want to feed into the over schedule direction. Mm. I personally really love that because my daughter is almost two, but I think that is a critical age to start thinking about that because there is so easy to accumulate all of the stuff. And just like you said, this is a, a the age where you do start collecting things like toys or, you know, mm -hmm. you just start doing a lot of things and getting a lot of things. And I feel mm -hmm. like 
it is important to kind of err on the simpler life if you want it to also affect your mindset. I feel like Mm -hmm. that for me is a direct correlation. If I have, if I'm living a more simpler life, it's also a lot simpler in my mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and also just the thing that you pointed out that, that the life you're living is a choice. So you can choose. And I think that is so important to state is most definitely you, you don't have to, you don't have to keep up with the crazy that you see. You get to choose. You're yeah. you're the you're in charge of what your what your life looks like, what your child's life looks like, and mm-hmm. you get to you get to set that curve. And so, if you want this to be positive and empowering, and and not be, you know, bogged down, what could feel like you know, could, mother motherhood is hard, but it doesn't have to be. It's such a blessing that we get to be in this place. And so, choose choose to positive. I think that's really I think that's really great that you state that. Well, thank you. and it's really struck with me because there's a there's a social post that was really going viral for a while and it was all about moms mothering on an empty pot and that it's just okay it's just a period of time and I was like no I want Mm. my pot to be full Mm. I want my coffee mug full and full of energy right I want my coffee pot full and my kiddo's gonna be okay like that yeah I'm enough so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah powerful (laughs) for sure so Erin our last question that we love to ask um, our guests is what is your favorite mom hack so this is a fairly controversial one but I am not a screen time mom And so I know that there are a lot of people are, but my favorite hack is if you keep playing games and activities with your kiddo, they will not expect the screen. Mm. Hmm. So if you're constantly keeping them active in other ways, they wouldn't expect the screen. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So for example, like I, um, I go to restaurants and I always had a bag full of games and activities Mm. anywhere we went. um, We just always had something with us and my kiddo, you know, was really active in doing chores. Even when she like was two, I helped, you know, she helped me do the laundry. So, you know, my hack is to always find ways to engage your child in life and learning and games. Um, So idle time just turns in an opportunity for them to be engaged with you or for them really early on to experience being bored. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Hence why your daughter is now an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) I know. If you asked her what she wanted to be, she's been wanting to be a baker and she's never been into cartoons, but I've watched a lot of kids baking in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good. Is there a favorite activity that you like to bring with you? Feel as most keeps her most entertained. Oh yeah. We're big on matching games. Like mm. games and scavenger hunts. Um, those are always really good ones. Cause I always like carried them in grocery stores too. like carried them. And so that's how she learned some of her early letters and colors. 
um, was pulling out little cards and trying to match that to, um, you know, fruits and vegetables and things in the aisles. Hmm. I love that idea. (laughs) Yeah, that is excellent. And especially, especially great for, like you said, in aisles, when you're grocery shopping, it kind of keeps them busy and keeps them doing something while you are trying to focus on what's on your list to get and put in the cart. (laughs) So that's great. Yeah, I was just thinking my so, you know, if you've been to the grocery stores, a lot of stores now have the little kids carts, which my which my daughter loves. (laughs) I'm going to start doing scavenger hunts for things that are my list because she likes to put everything in the basket. It's like, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That is super genius. That's awesome. And I, you know, I know screens have their place. I get it. Um, And I'm not saying, you know, never, but I just would love to be able to help parents really figure out ways to maximize the bonding time and the learning time in moments that can feel um, like it's, it is simpler, right, to choose a screen. Mm -hmm. I think that makes perfect sense. Because if I think about it, if my child is, is active and running around, if we're going to the park, the museum, and she's playing and interacting with other kiddos, she's not looking for the screen. She's not asking me to see my phone or to look for the screen. It's in those moments, those idle moments when we're not really doing anything or when we're sitting down somewhere and there's not a lot of toys or things to play with. She is asking for that. And a lot of the time, just like we know, kids often repeat or they demonstrate or follow what you're doing. So if you're constantly on your phone, of course our kiddos are going to want to also be on the phone. So I think that's an excellent point of just like, keeping them busy with something, some type of activity, some type of stim that's not a screen. I think if we can incorporate that more into our child's life, then they would be less likely to want to see a screen. So I think that's a great point. I think so too. Not controversy at all. I think it's really helpful because I think you sometimes it run, is out helpful. Of, you run out of ideas. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, or, you know, the the first three temper tantrums, right, which I had them too. The first three tantrums and meltdowns are like, they feel like you can't get through them, but you Mm -hmm. do, right? And then they realize, oh, she's serious. Like, she's really not going to give it to me. And (laughs) oh, there's nothing I can do any of these times. This has not worked. Okay, I guess I got to come up with a different game plan. Yeah. Yeah, gotta win the power, the willpower game. <laughs> yes. Oh, and they are fierce. Oh, they are. <laughs> so, Erin, we like to give our guests a chance to tell our listeners where they can find you, and also a little bit more about your business. And they said how, all the places that our, our guests will be able to find you. Sure. So I would say our biggest community, um, I actually merged. It was really exciting. I just merged um, Pump the Bump on Instagram and Sweaty Mommy Survival to be one big community called Sweaty Mommy Life. And so now it is one big place to support moms being active from pregnancy to parenthood. And I'm really intentional in using the words that I'm creating an inclusive community Um, because I just think there's not enough of those for women out there with women of different shapes, sizes, backgrounds, 
um, to find connection. And so I mer- when I merged it, I said I'm creating uh, the most inclusive global community for moms when it comes to mm. the fitness space. Mm. I love that. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And we are happy to have you share that for our listeners. And if you're listening, go check out Erin's page, all of her social media. And Erin, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Uh, You know, I just say thank you for creating spaces for women to get real about pregnancy and postpartum. Um, I know the more that we talk about this, right, and we get candid with each other, the easier the journey is going to be. So thank you for contributing to that space. Thank Thank you for contributing to that space. I love your feed and we love what you're doing. So, yes, thank thank you so much, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are absolutely grateful and humbled that you would take the time to tune in today. Please join us each week as we change the stigma around postpartum and help build a community where women can feel supported, loved, and empowered. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram at So You Had a Baby Podcast, or you can check out our website at SoYouHadABabyPod.com. And if you want to hear more and be part of this community, please subscribe to our podcast. We'd love for you to join us each week.